Welcome to Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee, a podcast brought to you by the Tennessee Initiative for Perinatal Quality Care. TIPQC exists to improve health outcomes for mothers and infants in Tennessee through our quality collaborative that will identify opportunities to optimize maternal and infant outcomes across our state and is funded under a grant contract with the state of Tennessee. The Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee podcast is designed for medical professionals and for patients and families across the state. We will focus on all aspects of the perinatal period with special attention to reducing our maternal mortality rate. This podcast is brought to you through a cooperative agreement with the Alliance for Innovation on Maternal Health. Welcome to the Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee podcast brought to you by the Tennessee Initiative for Perinatal Quality Care. I am Danielle Tate, a maternal fetal medicine specialist and the maternal medical director of TIPQC. Today's discussion will focus on the new RSV vaccine as well as other vaccinations in pregnancy. We are excited to have with us today Dr. Caitlin Newhouse. Dr. Newhouse is the Medical Director of the Vaccine Preventable Diseases and Immunization Program and Communicable and Environmental Diseases and Emergency Preparedness at the Tennessee Department of Health. She is also a pediatrician and she received her medical degree from Georgetown University School of Medicine. Welcome Dr. Newhouse. Thanks so much for having me. I'm looking forward to chatting with you today. Absolutely. We are excited to have you as well. Uh, Let's just first start with telling us more about yourself, about your career, what sparked your interest in medicine, specifically in vaccinations. Absolutely. So I am a pediatrician by training. I did my pediatrics residency in Los Angeles at the Children's Hospital of LA. I came into medicine wanting to do a bit of public health and medicine. So I was always interested in sort of thinking outside of the clinic or the hospital at the population level. And while I was in residency taking care of lots of sick kids with lots of different problems from RSV and flu to congenital malformations, I took care of very few kids with vaccine preventable diseases like hemophilus and measles and mumps and chickenpox. But we gave a lot of vaccines in our clinics, which was really fantastic. And so I feel like I grew up in an era of vaccines where I could see the benefits of how useful vaccines were because they really shaped what we took care of at the very sickest levels. We saw very little of some of these diseases that my mentors and older pediatricians that I worked with had really grown up with. I have yet, I had chicken pox when I was a kid, but I have yet to treat or see a case of chicken pox myself. And so I think that really sparked my interest in vaccines because not because I was necessarily taking care of a lot of kids who had serious diseases that were vaccine preventable, but truly the lack of that. And so I, I liked that about, that sort of brought me into the world of vaccines I think one of the the other things that I really liked about working in public health is that you get to think at sort of the population level. So I got to think more about the impact outside of my individual patient encounter, thinking about how to bring these interventions to a bigger scale, larger group of people. And one of the benefits of immunizations and vaccines is the longevity. It's an intervention that we can get or give once in our lifetime or once a year, and that gives the protection over and over and over again. 
And so sort of all of that combination of things led me to this current position that I have as the medical director for the immunization program for the state of Tennessee. Wow, what a great journey. And you're so right. A world without vaccinations, we just don't know that. And so it just seems that it's not a thing, but it's still, you know, those diseases are very real. It's almost similar to a world without cell phones, right? Our children will never know what it was like to have a payphone or a landline, but we appreciate the change of that accessibility. Yeah, absolutely. So the same with vaccinations, we appreciate not having to deal with these very devastating diseases on a regular basis thanks to vaccinations. Well, I'm so glad that you're here in Tennessee now. You've made the roundabout journey down to Tennessee and are now helping our moms and babies here in the state. In September of this year, the CDC recommended the first respiratory syncytial virus or RSV vaccine, which was a major change for us in pregnancy. And we, as the maternal side, do understand the impact that has on babies, right, and children throughout those particular times of the year. What can you tell us more about this new recommendation as it relates to pregnancy and care of the pregnant patient? Yeah, we're really lucky this year to be working with a couple of different options for preventing RSV. It's been a a whirlwind, but an exciting last six months in the RSV vaccination and immunization world. There are two vaccines and one immunization truly that have been approved to protect against RSV. Two of those vaccines are able to be used in adults, and that is there's an RSV vaccine to protect older adults over the age of 60 from RSV vaccination. And then there's the RSV vaccine that you just mentioned that can be given to pregnant people between 32 to 36 weeks gestation, and it's recommended to be given with seasonal administration. So that means between September to January in most of the continental U.S., and that's designed to protect infants in those first six months of life. And so the idea is that mom gets the vaccine while pregnant and then is able to pass those antibodies on through the placenta and the baby is born with that protection already. And so that's our exciting maternal vaccination against RSV. Very exciting it is because I know how commonplace RSV is. When you mention the vaccination, is it targeted to all parts of pregnancy? So if I am pregnant during the seasons at any point in my pregnancy, should I be moving towards getting that vaccination or is it specific for a certain time? So that's a great question. The way that it's recommended right now, it's recommended for pregnant people between 32 to 36 who are 32 to 36 weeks gestational age between September to January. So you kind of have to fit into both of those categories overlapping at the same time. So someone who's, say, 35 weeks pregnant in June is probably is not going to be recommended to get the RSV vaccine. But someone who is 35 weeks pregnant in October, it would be recommended to get the RSV vaccine. And I'd imagine, uh, very similar to other vaccinations we discussed in pregnancy, this timing is really built around making sure baby's well prepared for delivery and life after the womb. Absolutely. So ACIP spent a lot of time talking about and thinking about the timing of when to give this vaccine. 
So babies after they're born tend to be protected by their their mom's antibodies for about the first six months of life. And so part of that recommendation came from the fact that we wanted the baby, the babies who are born in, say, April, and they're going to be six months old before RSV season even starts, it's not going to really benefit them much to get that vaccine. And so it's not worth giving at that point, because they'll have already sort of aged out of that maternal protection by that point. We know that our RSV antibodies don't stick around for very long either. And so that played into the timing as well. And then the other part was that ACIP, because this is a vaccine that's given in pregnancy, wanted to be extra, extra careful about any pregnancy-related outcomes. And so making sure that it was really safe and wasn't going to prevent increased miscarriages or stillbirths or anything. The safety data was really, really great in this vaccine. And so there was no increased risk of any neonatal outcomes for the group that received the vaccine as compared to the placebo in the clinical trials. But there was a slight numerical imbalance in one of the studies that was done outside of the United States in preterm births between moms who received the vaccine and those who didn't. And so in order to, in an overabundance of caution, ACIP decided to recommend this vaccine to be given a little bit later than the time period in which it was given in the study. And so that's why we're only recommending it for 32 to 36 weeks of gestational age. And the 36 weeks comes from the fact that it takes about two weeks for the vaccine to stimulate the mom to make the antibodies and then for those to cross over the placenta to protect the baby. And so we want to make sure that it's given before the mom, mom becomes full term and the baby is born to give time for those antibodies to cross over. So that's where that 32 weeks to 36 weeks came in. That makes perfect sense. And I appreciate you sharing that information. That's definitely going to help us all in how we counsel. And I imagine, you know, just listening to you talk, it's very reminiscent of Tdap when Tdap changes came throughout prenatal care. So it sounds like that we may see the opposite in the way that with time, RSV vaccines may be recommended postpartum even to the family to make sure that babies continues to be protected. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we'll see. We'll see how that how that changes for sure. Absolutely. Well, another hot topic area when we talk about vaccinations as it relates to pregnant people is, of course, the COVID vaccine. The last three or four years have felt like a whirlwind when it comes to our lives given COVID. Can you speak to just what the updates are, what the current recommendations are with the COVID vaccination as it relates to pregnancy? Sure. So according to the new recommendations from this year, so ACIP just met back in September and reviewed all the data around the new 2023-2024 formulation of the COVID-19 vaccines and recommended that all adults, everyone really over six months of age should get one of the new updated 23-24 COVID-19 vaccines, and that includes pregnant people. So pregnant people should 
make sure that they stay up to date on their COVID-19 protection. Depending on what they've gotten in the past, that's at least one dose. But if they, if someone has not received a COVID-19 vaccine in the past and they'd like to get a Novavax vaccine, that might be a two-dose series. But one of the mRNA vaccines, the Moderna or Pfizer, that's just one vaccine regardless of what you've gotten in the past. So it's pretty pretty straightforward. Basically, everyone should get some formulation or some dose of the 2324 COVID-19 vaccines. And the good news is that it is safe to get at any point in pregnancy. So that one, unlike our RSV vaccine, where you have to both be in the right season and at the right gestational age, the COVID-19 vaccine you can get at any point in time. That's great news, you know, and just to know that those updated versions are just as safe. You know, I remember when the vaccine first was released and everyone felt as if we were just kind of guessing, but we knew it was safe. But just to know we've had this now second round or iteration of vaccinations and they're just as safe. And it sounds like they're simplified as well. So it's not as many and it's much more straightforward process for keeping everyone safe. Now, I know we're still kind of in the infancy with COVID vaccinations, but we've gotten a lot of good data about how the outcomes have changed or even benefited from COVID vaccination as it relates to pregnancy. Can you speak to more, a little bit more about how the vaccination has impacted pregnancy outcomes as it relates to COVID? Absolutely. And we just actually had some new data come out that was really very positive about the protections for pregnant people and their babies, actually, from the COVID-19 vaccine. So in general, we've seen that COVID vaccines reduce the risk of severe illness and other health effects from COVID-19 for people who are pregnant. It also looks like it helps prevent actually stillbirths and preterm deliveries. So Individuals who are pregnant tend to have a lower rate of stillbirth or preterm delivery than individuals who are not vaccinated against COVID-19. And then the, I think the other really great news too, as a pediatrician, I'm obviously looking out for mom. It's really important that we keep mom safe, but the, the benefit is that there's also some benefit to the baby. So receiving the mRNA COVID-19 vaccines while pregnant can also help protect your baby as we discussed under that six-month age range, when they still have all of the antibodies from mom. And so it, we've seen that it protects babies younger than six months from hospitalization due to COVID-19, which is really great to hear. Because as we know, our youngest infants are, are at higher risk for more severe outcomes when they get really pretty much any viral infection and COVID is not excluded there. Absolutely. And that's good to know. I believe in its infancy, we felt that we would go on towards protecting babies. It seemed like common sense, but now we have the proof. So that's amazing news to hear. Um, I also saw that recently the CDC Foundation has announced a campaign, Pregnant and Protected, specifically focusing on the COVID-19 vaccine. I just was wondering if you could share with us more of the focus of that campaign as we hear more about it. Yeah, absolutely. So the CDC Foundation is putting out this this great set of resources that they're calling Pregnant and Protected. 
and it aims to give the public information and resources to make informed choices about staying up to date with COVID-19 vaccines. There's also a lot of great resources on their website for clinical and community partners to engage in this conversation with the public. And so it can kind of support both our pregnant individuals who are out in the public and any clinicians and partners who are doing vaccine advocacy work. So I recommend people check out that website. That's a great website. I really like the tagline too, or the catchphrase. It really sticks with you, but I'm glad we're having places to go. As a provider, you sometimes have to deal with all sources that may not be the most reliable. So when we have a reliable one that's very patient-centered and patient-friendly, it's very helpful. So I'm glad we have this campaign underway. Well, this month, we officially entered the flu season. And this is always a hot topic in my office as to whether we should get patients vaccinated, which we know we recommend, but patients getting the vaccination those who may be required to have it for certain purposes or deciding. Can you discuss the current recommendations regarding the influence of vaccination for pregnant patients and how that impact has been for having the vaccination around for pregnant women? Absolutely. So pregnant persons are recommended to get any one of the injected flu vaccines like most adults And we generally give those between September and March. So we think of it sort of during flu season. And ideally at the beginning of flu season is the best time to get it. So September and October, we like to say flu before boo in the uh, pediatrics world. So getting it before Halloween is really the ideal timing. But any time during flu season, if you can get your flu vaccine, that's great. Pregnant people actually have a little bit of a boost here because they can get the flu shot a little early if they're in their third trimester in July or August, because we want to make sure that we're getting that protection to baby for the flu season. And so if you find yourself in your third trimester and you might be delivering before that we hit September, it might be worth exploring with your OB where to find a flu vaccine so that you can get get your shot before your baby comes. It's sometimes a little harder because the updated flu vaccines might be a little harder to get quite at that point. We usually start receiving them in our offices and sometime in August. So access is, I think, a little bit more challenging over the summer, but definitely something to explore. And then in terms of the impact of the flu vaccine, we have a lot of really great data to show that giving the flu vaccine in pregnancy reduces the risk of flu in pregnant people by up to 50%, which is quite a bit. There was a 2018 study that showed getting a flu shot reduced a pregnant person's risk of being hospitalized with the flu by an average of 40%. And that can be quite significant. And when we're pregnant, we're at higher risk of of more severe disease. And so getting that extra protection is really helpful. And then as we kind of already touched on with the last little bit, again, getting vaccines in pregnancy allows you to pass on some of that protection to your baby. So that's really another great benefit. You're so right. And I'm definitely going to incorporate that into my counseling that you're protecting the baby from the flu as well. I tend to 
emphasize more of protecting from that severe disease when we talk about influenza versus RSV, where we're definitely focusing more on getting baby protection. But that's great to know we're protecting the whole family. And I know every pregnant person wants to make sure her baby is protected from the start. With that, bringing up another common one we see in pregnancy, Tdap. And for several years, Tdap has been the recommendation to be given at the end of pregnancy. You know, in my days, not to date myself at all. It was a specifically a postpartum thing. And we realized very quickly that it can be given safely at the end of pregnancy to protect babies. And so now that is the common practice that you see across the nation, including in Tennessee. Can you speak to the current recommendations for Tdap vaccination in pregnancy? Absolutely. And the Tdap vaccine is a vaccine that protects against tetanus, diphtheria, and pertussis. The main thing here that we're looking to give protection for the pregnant individual is against that pertussis component, which is the part that protects us against the infection that we commonly call whooping cough. And that can be really dangerous for babies, especially under a year of age, because their airways are so small that when they get pertussis, they do get really sick. And this is one of those vaccine preventable diseases that I did see in my, even though we do have a very effective vaccine, I did see occasionally in my in my training and in my practice, and it can be very serious in, in our youngest infants. And so something that we really want to protect against if we can. So the Tdap vaccine can be given to pregnant people between 27 to 36 weeks gestational age. If a pregnant person had a Tdap earlier in pregnancy, like if they cut their foot and they needed it for wound care, they came into the emergency room. Or if there was like a pertussis outbreak and they, for some reason, got their Tdap vaccine before 27 weeks of pregnancy, they don't need to get a second dose in that same pregnancy. But we like to give it in that third trimester ideally, because that gives the best timing for passing those antibodies on to baby. And it is, as you mentioned, now done in pregnancy so that it's not just the mom who's getting that protection from pertussis after the after birth, but she's able to pass on some of those antibodies through the placenta. That's great news. And as a pediatrician, I would love for you just to speak to a little bit about how that protection means protection from anything, any family member or any person that the baby comes in contact with could be carrying and potentially make the baby sick. And I try to emphasize that a lot with you protecting from others so you don't have to be concerned who is around your baby. In a sense. That's so true. And so many of our Babies and infants have younger siblings who are, say, in daycare or school-aged, and we love our we love our toddlers, but they pass germs like no one else. And so it's really important to protect our babies with everything that we can. And so if they have those antibodies to protect against pertussis from mom having gotten vaccinated towards the end of pregnancy, they've got like some good robust immune system there that will give them a little bit of an extra, an edge when fighting off those, those infections their siblings can bring home. Yes, they are oftentimes bringing home the gifts that keep on giving, I tell you, mm -hmm. especially in the daycare, younger school ages, very true. Well, we've talked about RSV, we've talked about Tdap, 
influenza, COVID, all those vaccinations that we are going to be continuing to discuss with our patients. But if we have patients listening or providers even listening who are trying to figure out how to get to these vaccinations, what's the best route? What is where are the resources? How is the access in the state? What can we share with them? That's a great question. So most of our OBs carry Tdap and flu vaccines during the flu season. So you can usually go to your OB to get those two vaccines. COVID vaccines are pretty readily accessible these days through primary care physicians and pharmacies. So a lot of the big box pharmacists and independent pharmacists will probably be carrying those COVID vaccines. OBs may or may not be carrying those in their offices, but it's worth asking, absolutely. And then with our RSV vaccines, they are readily accessible now. And it seems like most of uh, most of the places that have that offer vaccines, like our, our pharmacies and whatnot, have caught up to the recommendations since the, the recommendations are so new for that maternal indication. It did take a little bit of time before people were able to access the RSV vaccines, but it seems like now they should be more readily accessible. It's probably worth calling your insurance company potentially and finding out what pharmacies are in network to go check to see where you can give them a call. Then then you find out which pharmacies are in network and you call those pharmacies to find out if they're carrying the vaccines that you need. But I think a lot of them are at this point. So hopefully it won't be too hard to find all, all of these recommended vaccines, but it might take a little bit of communication. Very true. And I would hope that we've learned from the COVID vaccination release on how to make sure new vaccinations are available in abundance in thoughtful places. So it sounds like we've done just that in Tennessee. Uh, The last thing I wanted us to talk about was vaccinations and travel. This comes up quite often. Tennessee is a state of mobile people who are traveling internationally. Are there specific recommendations for pregnancy or just considerations when you're pregnant and traveling internationally? It's a great question as well. So vaccines can be a great way to prevent infection while traveling, but in pregnancy, it's not recommended to receive live vaccines. And so it's really important to check with your provider and make sure that your provider knows that you're pregnant. Obviously, your OB is going to know that you're pregnant, but having that conversation about which vaccines you should be receiving for the location that you're traveling, and then also to double check to make sure that they're safe in pregnancy is really important. So the vaccines that we've discussed today are all going to be helpful and safe in pregnancy, but there are some vaccines that we don't give while you're pregnant. And so it's important to check and to make sure that everyone who's giving you recommendations knows about that. We don't want anyone to hinder their great travel plan. So it's a great part of the conversation to have with your providers. And then knowing, of course, resources like the health department, the local health department can give those vaccinations if your doctor can't provide or your provider cannot provide them. So that's great news as well. Research 
is out there and it, it shows and indicates that most pregnant people will consider a vaccine if their provider recommends it. I know we have several providers that listen and they'll be listening to this podcast and taking into account everything we're discussing. So how can providers encourage their patients to be vaccinated and how can they be confident in combating vaccine hesitation? One of the most important things in having those conversations with your patients is to start talking about vaccines early in pregnancy. So making sure that you're bringing up the recommended vaccines, setting expectations and answering questions before the time arises to actually give the vaccines. Providers can also ask questions to find out more about sort of what is giving their patient pause, what are the concerns, what are their thoughts, where are they getting information, and help to sort of guide them to good, trusted resources. I think providers can be the most important trusted resource. And so the fi- my final recommendation is to give a strong recommendation. So don't just sort of leave your patient with like, well, this is a thing that you can do if you want, and it's not necessary, but here it is. Really reassuring them that this is safe, this is going to protect them and their baby, and that you recommend it. Patients do lean to our expertise for guidance, and this is no area, or this is an area where they're going to do just that. So you're right, strong recommendations do go a long way. Well, I would love to say, and I am going to say, congratulations to you. I understand that you're expecting a little one as well. So this conversation probably is very relevant on a personal level for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Great. Well, just thinking from the lens of expecting yourself, how has your pregnancy journey been as it relates to vaccinations and how do you, would you advise a pregnant person that's on this journey as well? It absolutely has been a whirlwind of a fall with not only having all these new vaccines, but being pregnant myself and getting to navigate sort of the hurdles of of trying to find all of the vaccines and and helping to give that advice with that personal touch. So I am uh, 36 weeks pregnant tomorrow, which um, we're getting close to the end. And I was so, so excited when um, the RSV immunizations and vaccines were approved this fall, having taken care of a lot of very sick babies with RSV in my hospital when I was going through training. It really has stayed with me how sick even healthy term infants can be. And so I was thrilled to death to be able to get the new maternal RSV vaccination myself. I got it about two weeks ago. It took a little bit of work to call my insurance company and and find a pharmacy where they were offering it because it was a little bit on the earlier side. But I was thrilled to be able to get my Tdap and my flu and my COVID and my RSV vaccines and arm my baby with all of the antibodies he will need to stay healthy this respiratory season. Well, that is just such great news to hear. I can hear the smile in your voice regarding that. So I, it's very motivating and I appreciate you sharing not only your personal, but your professional and expertise. We do appreciate you for joining us today. And I thank you again for being here, Dr. Newhouse. Absolutely. This has been such a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me.
Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for joining us today. TIPQC will continue to feature additional podcasts from our state experts addressing key elements of care for the pregnant population. Please see our show notes for details and resources discussed in today's podcast. Join us next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee, presented by TIPQC. TIPQC is funded under a grant contract with the state of Tennessee. Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee is brought to you through a cooperative agreement with the Alliance for Innovation on Maternal Health. Do you have ideas for a future guest or topic or even have a question you would like answered on upcoming episodes? Visit www.tipqc.org, that's T-I-P-Q-C.org, and click on podcast to submit suggestions and questions to our podcast team. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast to be the first to know when new episodes are available and find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube to stay in the loop with our active projects and other relevant news relating to perinatal health in Tennessee.